Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised in Joel 2.28, and we equip for the outpouring so that we may engage in the outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to our podcast today. We have a special guest, Matthew Reams, who has been hanging out with us for a number of years now. And he is a worship leader, and he is a teacher, and he is very gifted by the Lord. And he has some things to share with us on the subject of don't just drink from the river and die in the desert. So, Matthew, we're so glad to have you with us today. Welcome to our podcast. Hi. It's good to be here. We're always delighted to have a chance to fellowship with you and to worship with you. You were one of our worship leaders at our convention a few weeks ago, and you have been one of our worship leaders at our youth events and young adults events. And we, man, how many years has it been? The first time I came down to the Valley was the last ISOM you did, wow. wow, which was the first one you had done after Sister Gwen had passed away. Was that like 2013? Something like that. Wow. And you got hooked somehow, huh? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I'm, still, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just delighted that you're here and that you're a part of us. Amen. So tell us a little bit about uh, how you became a worship leader. Well, when I was a little kid, I was in church. Mm-hmm. I was one of those kids that never got a choice. <laughs> I, I was in church. And at a young age, they decided that I could sing. Okay. And so I got made to do like specials. Because back then we were in a in a Presbyterian church where mm-hmm. you still actually had you know, specials. Right. I remember those things. days. It was fine, but it was weird. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as a little kid, it feels weird to stand up there and sing some song, whatever. And it actually kind of got turned off to worship because it felt like you go up and you perform for people and mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, yeah, performance mentality. Uh-huh. And then, you know, through high school and things, I actually served in the church doing uh, sound mm-hmm. and audio engineering. That was bread and butter because I like technology and it was fun. Mm-hmm. And someone came up to me and said, oh, you know, I think you're called to be a worship leader. and You should, you know, sing and play the guitar and stuff. And I didn't play a single instrument. Really? Mm. In fact, it was required in fifth grade that every student had to take an instrument. I got the trumpet because someone lent us a trumpet for free. Right. (laughs) I got told by my band teacher, you have zero talent. You will (gasps) never play an instrument. Oh, no. You're going to sit in the back, and when it comes time to play your your parts, just go, (sighs) don't actually blow into it the right way because you'll blow off. Oh, no. And so I was turned completely off to the idea of being a musician. Oh, no. I loved music. I consumed music in my home. I had music playing pretty much 24 hours a day, but I was a listener. I was a consumer. Mm -hmm. And then when I was, I think it was 18 at the time, I was at this church and a person came up and gave me a prophetic word and said, you're called to be a worship leader. Oh, my. That must have rocked your life. I said, oh. I'll sing I'll sing on the worship team, sure, yeah. And I went and I got invited to sing. Mm-hmm. You knew you could do that. Yeah, I knew I could sing, although several people told me I can't sing. Oh. Um, I said, sure. The worship leader at the time, he was like, yeah, yeah. And 
I was singing for a couple of months and the person came back and said, I didn't say you're supposed to sing. Hmm. I said, you're supposed to be a worship leader. And I said, Leandro's the worship leader, not me. So I don't even play an instrument. And they said, funny thing about that. And they handed me a guitar. Oh my. Oh, wow. And they said, you're going to learn this guitar and you're going to be a worship leader. Wow. wow. And I was like, I'm going to need to pray about that. <laughs> because one other time in my life, I had wanted to learn guitar. Um, so I tried and it went horribly. Mm -hmm. And I remembered what my band, band teacher, teacher had said. Oh. Those words over you, yeah. And I, now I was, we were poor. I didn't take lessons. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. like I had a half an hour a week. Instead, this time, the advent of technology, there's this thing called YouTube. And I went, beginner guitar lesson. Wow. Click. And I Thank found God a lesson. For YouTube. And then someone at another church heard that I played guitar and they said, hey, would you lead worship this week because we don't have someone for our midweek service? Wow. <laughs> and I was like, that's a bad idea. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but you can play. I said, no, I can play three chords. Mm, no. Mm. And they said, you're going to do it because I need you to do it. I'll, I'll give you money if I have to. <laughs> that changed my mind quickly. Yeah, I'm like, oh, look. It's, I, it's quite a carrot. <laughs> I was, it, was, it was dinner taco money. Yeah. And it was bad. Oh, no. It did not go well. Oh, no. Yet the Lord showed up. Ah, wow. Thank you, Jesus. And every single person in that room was apt to tell me that it did not go well. And they said, praise the Lord, he showed up. Wow. They said, there's an anointing that you have. We just need to get you to do better. Yeah. <laughs> Such encouragement from the body. Yeah, practice, practice. So how did that make you feel? It was a, it was mixed bag. Yeah. Part of it, it was like, yeah, you didn't have to tell me I sucked. I knew that. <laughs> I was in the same room you were. I heard the same songs. But at the same time, there was something comforting about being told there was an anointing. Yes. Because mm -hmm. yeah. that's what counts. Because it was confirming to me that the person had said, you're called to be a worship leader. Mm -hmm. The Lord was backing it up. Even in my terribleness, the Lord showed up. And then from there, I just kept building and building and building. And now, you know, I've been playing for a while and I've played all over the world and led worship for plenty of ministry. I don't even know how many different places I've had the opportunity to go. Yeah. And the word that that person had given me, you will be a worship leader. It came to pass in my life. Yes. Despite all of my unbelief, despite all of my confusion, despite all the things that people discouraged me. And wow. now I'm deeply involved in worship and I write my own music. I go out to Nashville and I, ha I, I work with songwriters and people out there that if you'd told me that when I was 18, mm -hmm. I would have scoffed at you. Yeah, I would have very heartily scoffed at you. <laughs> but when the Lord, when the Lord puts something in you mm -hmm. and he wants you to do it, he'll get you there. That's true. But then from that, I've learned other instruments. Mm -hmm. I play a fairly passable ukulele. Mm -hmm. I'm okay at the mandolin. I'm learning the piano. I can fake enough through the piano that people don't always realize that I don't actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, one, once, once it was unlocked yes. and clicked in my brain that this is something I do, then my natural smart guy that can figure things out started to click and now it's like okay i don't know what i'm doing yet but i can learn exactly and youtube helps 
Yes, it wow. does. Yes, it's it tremendous. does. There's something about the limitations being taken off. Mm-hmm. And that's what mm-hmm. it did for you after that very first time. Everybody knew that you didn't do well technically, but the fact that God showed up. And now, how, yeah. how did that moment change you? It gave me, it gave me some confidence. Mm-hmm. It gave me a belief that God is going to back me up. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, that was probably one of the two most important moments defining my life as a worship leader. Because I knew from then on, the Lord is going to back me up. Right. And he's going to back up his word that he spoke in the first place. Yeah. So what was the other part? The other one, this one was was fascinating to me. I had started leading worship at my church, the church that I'm at now with uh, Lisa McFarland in Lawrence, Kansas. But I had a friend named Kevin Bosconi who was having a conference in Kansas City and an emergency happened and the worship leader that they had scheduled couldn't come. And he called me up and he said, someone told me you lead worship now. <laughs> and I said, yeah, because we'd known each other. We'd been friends and I'd helped run sound at several of his events. He's, and he says, well, I'm going to be in Kansas City having this event and my worship leader's gone. Would you be willing to come and fill in? You know, I'm trying to, even, even if you can't do the whole thing, I'm just trying to piece together something because we have to have worship. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, I'll go. And at the end of that conference, I ended up doing all the services and it was oh. it was rough because it was a big group of people that I didn't know. I didn't have the comfort, and, yeah. you know. But yeah. at the end of those meetings, Kevin's wife, Kathy, comes up to me and says, when you lead worship and you close your eyes, I feel something in the presence of the Lord that I haven't felt from very many people ever. Hallelujah. And she said, from now on, I'm going to tell Kevin that whenever we have an event, wherever it is in the world, you need to come. Wow. Wow. And they'd have other people too, mm-hmm. but she always made sure that he would call me up and ask me to come. Wow. wow it was a life-changing moment. She, certainly you know, she had an encounter with the Lord. That's yeah. what it's about. And, and it wasn't just, you know, the, the goosebumpy feeling encounter. Mm-hmm. She had a vision. She met with the Lord face to face. I didn't do that. Right. Yeah. But... I got to be involved yeah. in her getting this encounter mm-hmm. that changed the way she experienced the Lord. Yeah. You know, I found that many in times in worship, you don't always feel what everybody else is feeling. You know, if you're mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. maybe a difficult song and you're more looking chords or Can't something. Can't miss that chord. You know, confessions of a worship leader. You right. know, there's just yeah. technical things that you have to do, but you wish you, wish you could just close your eyes all the time and... Mm-hmm. Not have to deal with it, but people are out there getting blessed, and and you think, well, that's good. I'm glad they did because we sure that that song was a we had a train wreck chord in there somewhere, and, <laughs> oh. and then people say oh, yeah. say, well, I didn't no, I didn't hear that, you know. And then then I realize you don't even say if you did something wrong. Yeah. yeah. And the worse I feel it went, those are the services that the people come up and bring the most praise. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's the really anointing. A, yeah, you know. it's, the yeah anointing, it's the anointing, and it's it's the fact that we're engaging with the Holy Spirit. And because of that now, I've come to this new, it's a standard answer that I've used, and now not just for worship, but for almost any ministry compliment, because I realized Kathy didn't have that encounter because I led worship really right. good. <laughs> but my leading worship was a blessing that helped facilitate whatever needed to happen for her to have this encounter. So now when people people come up and say, oh, that was so good when you did, whether it was worship or preaching or whatever, I'm just like, well, amen. I am glad that it blessed you. 
That's a good answer. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, because yeah. that's what I want. I want people, no matter what aspect or facet of the ministry I'm involved in, I want my time doing it to be a blessing for the people that are in the room, yeah. whether it's sound or technology or preaching or worship leading or, mm-hmm. you know, ushering. Right. I want people to be blessed because I was there to do what the Lord needed that day. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. So you're quite the philosopher from uh, getting to know you. And uh, I know that you read a lot of the great teachers, the great apostolic leaders through the generations going. You're on a, what did you tell us? You're on an Augustine kick right now? I'm on a bit of an Augustine kick. That's so cool. <laughs> and and you like Spurgeon and Tozer. and I do. Who else? Who else has, has affected your life and your thinking? In, in terms of reading, definitely Spurgeon would be up on the top. He had he had a way with words that mm-hmm. brought conviction. Yeah, mm-hmm. guys like A.W. Tozer and Leonard Ravenhill would. But the underrated thing for me, especially lately, has been studying the Puritans mm-hmm. because they came to America with a goal of building a Christian community. Right, mm-hmm. city on a hill. They wanted to live that out. Mm-hmm. And they experienced the Great Awakening, mm-hmm. which not just in America, you know, I mean, Wetfield and Spurgeon experienced similar in in England, and there was the Wesleys and things. But the Puritans, they they wrote on topics that you don't hear written about. One of my favorite books, and you have to read it slowly because it's written with language that isn't common today Mm -hmm. is the mortification of sin by John Owen. (laughs) Interesting. And if I boil the entire book down to one sentence in the, in the abridged version that they actually use this sentence, it says you need to be killing sin before sin will be killing you. Ooh. Oh, it's very good. Well put. And that's what mortification means. See, even just that title, Mm -hmm. half the people, when they saw me reading the book asked, what is mortification? Seriously? It's, they didn't uh-huh. know what it meant? Yeah. I think one of the meanings is putting to death by godly principles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we the, learned yeah. that one from Sister Gwen. Yeah. They they just they had these deep thoughts on righteousness and holiness and humility. There there's a book, I believe it's Richard Sibbs, but I could be wrong. But it's called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Oh, I like mm. that. And it reminds me of Paul in uh, Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. In our modern era, we put that on the side of a pair of Nikes and think that we're going to be the next <laughs> Steph Curry. <laughs> I mean, but if you read what Paul was talking about, Paul says in, in verses 9, 10, 11, 12, he says, I have been rich. Mm-hmm. I have been poor. Yeah. That's right. Uh-huh. Put it in I have been loved. I have been hated. I have abounded and I have abased. Based, yeah. uh-huh. But in all things, I can do through Christ who strengthens me. Right. Those are the all things. And he, his all things wasn't, you know, I can be a better fisherman than you mm-hmm. because Christ strengthens me. Right. And in, in my opinion, we kind of cheapen it when we say that. Absolutely. He's yeah. saying it doesn't matter what circumstance life brings me through. And Paul definitely went through some circumstances. Yes, he did. Shipwrecks, beatings, snake bitten. Mm -hmm. Stoned. All of it. I can endure this because Christ is strengthening me. 
the persecuted church all over the world, mm-hmm. they understand what he meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. They don't think about it and say, well, I can, I can do better at my task because Christ strengthens me. They think I can endure this persecution. It's true. Christ is worth it, and he will strengthen me. Yes. And so the Puritans, they thought about these things. Right. And so, you know, they're another one. Um, I actually have on order a beautiful box set of selected writings from the Puritans because there's a ministry called Banner of Truth Mm -hmm. that has worked on recovering and publishing all of these often abridged Mm -hmm. and sometimes um, edited for helping with the language Language, which Uh is a blessing (laughs) because some of some of the language can be a bit challenging yeah Mm -hmm. but you read those things they have something substantive Mm -hmm. to say to increase your walk and something that's not always being said yeah, you know, I, I'm looking for whether it's books or sermons or whatever. I'm looking for or someone songs. or songs. I'm looking for someone that's saying something that is going to transform me. Yes, mm-hmm. that's gonna yeah, that's, that's gonna teach me something practical. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite sermons over the last few years, and I've literally for two years I listened to it at least once a month. Wow, was by a Reformed Baptist pastor called Joe Thorne, and he was guest preaching at a church. And they were in the middle of a series on the Ten Commandments. And his topic was covetousness. Ooh. I don't know that I could think of another sermon I'd heard in several years on covetousness. Yeah. It's yeah. critical that we understand that. And it wrecked me to my core mm-hmm. because I learned about how much of a covetous heart I had. Mm-hmm. We live in a covetous society. How much of a covetous society we had and how much I was willing to live with my covetousness because, well, you know, I'm not a murderer, I'm not a liar, I'm not an adulterer. Mm-hmm. A- as if covetousness is somehow one of the lesser commandments. What would be another word we could use for covetousness for listeners that... How about the word greed? Greed. Greed is good. Yes. How about modern culture? Yeah. yeah. Just modern, wanting something that doesn't culture. belong to you. I got to keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll never forget, you know, you, you asked me about worship leading. What what was a defining moment? One of the other moments that shaped my life that had nothing to do with worship leading, though, was I and a friend were ministering in New Mexico. And we were staying with this pastor in his home, beautiful, nice home, which is great because hotels are expensive. <laughs> and he's going to take us out to breakfast. So we go out back. And he's got this beautiful new Toyota Tundra truck. Mm -hmm. And he tells us this story of how he ended up getting this truck brand new for like eight or nine thousand dollars. Wow. I don't remember the whole story of how he got it, but after he finished telling the story, I put my hand on that truck. I said, Well, Lord, I need a truck. (laughs) I I need a new vehicle. And if you can and before I even finished my prayer, he stopped me dead and dead in my truck. He goes, don't be coveted in my truck. Don't be stealing my blessing. Ooh. And I looked at him and I and I, I got indignant and I might not have reacted perfectly, but I said, how dare you accuse me of coveting? How dare you think that I'm trying to steal your blessing? I don't want your truck. Yeah. But I heard your testimony. And I believe that if God could do that for you, then God can provide me for a truck. I don't want to take your truck. I don't want to steal your blessing. That's horrible to do to somebody. But I want to believe that if God's going to bless you, then God can bless me. And what stuck with me 
was how quick he was to assume that people are out to steal his blessing. Hmm. I was sad. Hmm. And I'm sitting there going, no, my God could multiply loaves and fishes. If God hmm. wanted to, we could drive off to breakfast in your truck, come back and find the exact same truck has been cloned, left in your driveway. That'd be a miracle <laughs> that would take another level of faith for me to believe. <laughs> but uh, yeah. he genuinely believed that me getting excited about his testimony was the same as me wanting to steal his truck. Wow. And wow. that was not even in my heart. My heart was every time I hear a testimony, when, when someone tells me a testimony of God did something amazing and I need that kind of thing to happen, I go to God and say, God, you don't like them better than you like me. You have no no respecter of persons. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're going to pour out the blessing down there, then then just turn the spigot a little bit this way <laughs> because I, I need to receive a thing. Yeah. And yet our culture is so stuff oriented. Right. Yeah. The people with their $600 shoes, their $1,000 watches, their preaching in the middle of the hood, driving a Bentley. We have made covetousness part of our culture. Now, yeah. you said something earlier to us before we started the podcast about the kind of times that you live in make a certain kind of person, a certain kind mm -hmm. of people. Can, can you go through that for us? Because yeah. I think that's significant in this, in this context. It's not original to me, and I don't know who said it, so I can't quote them. But there's a saying that hard times create strong men. Mm -hmm. Strong men create good times. Mm -hmm. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. And then it just keeps cycling. Right. Yeah. And we're in a phase of culture where weak men are creating hard times. Mm-hmm. And I don't but I don't want to purely focus on the hard times because at the same time as we're seeing all the tears, mm -hmm. the wheat is growing to maturity too. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, wheat and tares, sometimes when we look at the field, we see the tares because when tares are fully grown, they're still standing strong. Mm-hmm. But when wheat gets fully grown, the weight of right. the kernel causes yeah. it to, to bend, bend low. Over, yeah. mm -hmm. So if you're looking from a distance, you're not going to see the wheat because it's covered up by the tares. Mm -hmm. huh. You know, we live in that phase of culture where everyone can see all the tares of culture. Right. But we have to remember in faith, the light is winning. Absolutely. Hmm. You know, the Bible said that the increase of his government shall know no end. Right. Yeah. He mm -hmm. initiated his government on the earth. In the Gospels, mm -hmm. it hasn't decreased once. And I, I worry sometimes we get one-sided in our thinking. Some people only look at all the good things and ignore all the work we still have to do to bring righteousness and justice to the earth. And then other people, they get so caught up in the everything is horrible, everything is falling apart, that they lose sight of the hope that Jesus is on the move. Right? People are being saved faster today than they ever have. True. There are more Christians on the earth today than there ever have been. That's something we don't think about. Mm -hmm. you know, in China, where where the communist regime is so strong and they're persecuting the churches, there are actually more Christians in China than there are communists. Really? Wow. Has the it got to that point now? It has gotten to that point. The problem is the communists have the tanks and the guns and the authority and the... Yeah. <laughs> and the willingness to use that to get their way. Right. The church, even if the church in China had the tanks and things, I don't they, think they would do they a political wouldn't. overthrow. No. The persecuted church thinks differently mm -hmm. about that kind of stuff. We In America, we're, we're ingrained from the very inception of our nation that violent revolution is 
a viable answer. And so we're much more apt to want to go ahead and overthrow everything. China, the Chinese church, they have, they have a different way of thinking about things. Yet in the midst of all the persecution that they're going through, in the midst of all their sufferings, difficulties, churches mm-hmm. being bombed out, people getting arrested, they're exploding. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. becoming strong men. They're becoming the strong yeah. men. Because of the hard times. And I'm like, okay, how can we bring that understanding of the hope that the kingdom is growing mm-hmm. into the midst of our situations here where a lot of people can look at America and be like, the kingdom is shrinking. It has that appearance here, however. But now I think you're bringing us to a place where you can expound a little bit on this idea of don't just drink from the river and die in the desert. So unpack that for us. Okay, Exodus. Uh, we, we read the history of the Jewish people. And I want to stress the history because a lot of people forget that the things that the Bible records actually happened. Yeah. Right. You know, there's mm-hmm. a growing movement of people that now want to try and say that the Jewish people weren't actually slaves in Egypt. They just, <sighs> they lived there. They were workers. They were low class. They were not. The Bible is history. It's it's yeah. the truth. Mm-hmm. In this story of Exodus, we see miracles. We call them the 10 plagues. We, you know, a plague is just a destructive miracle. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's no less miraculous than a new limb growing, it's just, its purpose is different. They So they saw the 10 plagues. They saw all these miracles. The purpose of the 10 plagues was to show that the gods of Egypt were not stronger than Jehovah, the God of Israel. Yeah. And so they saw all that. God demonstrated his power. Then he takes them and delivers them from the land. And then he separates the Red Sea. And the actual, the Hebrew word there more directly translates that he pushed the sea aside and froze it in place. Mm -hmm. So they Mm -hmm. walked between glaciers, which would be cool. (laughs) Very. Then then (laughs) they get to the desert and they have nothing to drink. And he turns the bitter waters into sweet. Then they have no food, so he sends manna. Then they have one thing after another. And God does miracle after miracle after miracle. And the generation of the book of Exodus They were a generation that saw more signs, wonders, and miracles than any generation before them, maybe any generation since. Mm -hmm. And yet, almost everyone of that generation, the ones that drank from the water that poured forth from the rock, still died in the wilderness and did not enter. And Paul says in Corinthians that we all drink of that same water from that same rock, which is Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're in a generation that has seen more signs, wonders, and miracles than any generation previous to us. Yeah. Maybe even more than they saw. The amount of testimonies of the miraculous happening around the world, whether it's visitations, whether it's healings, whether it's people being saved and rescued spiritually, saved and rescued physically, more testimonies of the miraculous are happening than ever before. And and we have rivers of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're, we're Pentecostals. We love our rivers. Sure. <laughs> and we're drinking deep from those rivers. But what are we in danger that we're going to die in the wilderness like them? Because every step of the way, they'd have one miracle after another, and yet they would still be afraid to step into the presence of God. 
Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. Exodus 20 there at the foot of the mountain, and they tell Moses, you go up the mountain because we're afraid Stay God's going to kill us. Even though God declared, I want you to be a kingdom of priests. Exactly. That's what it says in, in I think it's in Revelation. It says, mm-hmm. he has made you a kingdom of priests unto God. Mm-hmm. I know in in the Textus Receptus version, it, it kind of more reads kings and priests. Mm-hmm. But in that Greek, it's a kingdom of priests. He's trying to say, you, the, my church, drawing that parallel back to the people of Israel, you are a kingdom that your main goal, the reason of your existence is to bring me worship. Mm-hmm. You know, the Westminsters in the, in the 1600s, they asked the question, they said, what is the chief end of man? It's the first question on the Westminster Shorter Catechism. You know, old, old people, fancy words. But <laughs> the answer they gave was, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yes. And then uh, Pastor John Piper, who's alive today, mm-hmm. he expounded on that thought. And he said, the main way we glorify God is through our enjoyment of him. Beautiful. Mm, that really nice. The more you enjoy God, the more people see you enjoying God, the more glory it brings to him. And we are a kingdom of people who are supposed to minister to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid some of us, we, we get to a certain point where we want all the show. Mm-hmm. We want to sing the songs that make us feel good. We want to see people get healed. We get really excited when Pastor So-and-so works miracles Mm -hmm. at the altar, but we don't want to go to the altar. We -hmm. don't want to get down on our knees. We don't want the place of repentance. We don't want the transformation. We want the production, the show. Mm -hmm. We want to be in a theater where we can watch the kingdom happen without it happening to us. Yes. Mm. We want the feeling we don't want the healing. Yeah. Oh, oh. And God is in an era where he is saying, no, I want you to come out of your wilderness mm-hmm. and come up the mountain and dwell with me. David understood this. David was a man out of time. That's right. why he rolled up the sides of the tabernacle and said, I want the ministers to minister to the Lord. Right. Really, that was the first worship team that we really read about. Bible. <laughs> mm-hmm. True. Yeah. And they didn't. Sing the songs for the people. Right. They sang the songs for the the Lord. Lord, Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. We need to come to a place as a church where we first minister to the Lord, Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. minister to everyone else. Right. That's why when Jesus was asked about what are the the first great commandment, he said the first great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Mm -hmm. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Right. But loving your neighbor was the second commandment. Mm-hmm. We, in our modern era, we, we love the neighbor first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we would get those back in the right order, let's mm-hmm. first minister to God, get so deep in his presence that he starts giving out, this is, this is your, your commands, these are your, your, your jobs, the missions we're on right now, I want you to do this, 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 and this. Then go out into the streets and do it. We would transform the way the world sees the church. That is true. Mm. But instead, half of us aren't even willing to go to the place to minister to God. Mm -hmm. We want all of God's benefits. Wow. You know, whether it's the liberal side of the church where it's obvious, 
you know, they want to they want to live in all sorts of unrighteousness and accept mm-hmm. every sort of unholy thing as long as they can stamp the name of Jesus on top of it. Yeah. Or whether it's the charismatic oh. church who wants to settle for having the feelings and getting ministered to to where I I feel good after I I got the goosebumps when you sang that song. Mm-hmm. Oh, that word really encouraged me. That's why even in the Christian bookstores, mm-hmm. self-help books outsell everything else. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yet we're supposed to be people that go deep. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. supposed to be the kind of people where we're studying the Lord. We're growing in our knowledge of him. We're growing in our wisdom and understanding of what he's like, what his nature, what his character is. All those other things come. Yeah. You know, but the fastest way to heal your soul is... Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom, kingdom and God. his righteousness, yes. and everything yeah. else will get added. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we have a book in our bookstore that Sister Gwen wrote, and it's not the most popular one. It's called The Fine Line. Mm-hmm. It's a separation of the soul and the spirit. Well, I don't think I have that one yet. It's like you go into a you. church service, and you feel, you feel, yeah, this is great, da-da-da, but you walk out of the building, and what was all that about anyway? It was it's all like about the soul. It was about the soul was fed. But not your spirit, mm-hmm. emotions, and, and your, your intellect. Your emotions, yeah. And it's a book on learning how to recognize between the soul and the spirit realm. It's very good. Yeah, I think I want to go back and read it again. It's about time. It's about time. So, just to wrap this up, Matthew, would you would you pray and especially pray for uh, the generation that that you were born into to get the kind of enlightenment? And awakening that is is for real, it's so that so that we have awakening and not wokeness. Yeah, mm. Amen. <laughs> yeah, Father God, first and foremost, I want to glorify Your name. I want to thank You that You have given us the opportunity to be Your minister. And Lord, I thank You for that revelation that we talked about the reformers and how they understood the priesthood of every believer. Mm-hmm. That we were all called. That's what that's what Martin Luther fought for, was that every person was called to go before the Lord boldly, and not just one or two. Yet, Lord, we have gone from the boldness of Martin Luther back to setting up human mediators. We want the prophet to get our word. We want the preacher to study the Bible for us. But, Lord, that's not your heart. Your heart was in the beginning to create a garden where you would dwell with man and that everything we knew came from the revelation of you in teaching in your presence. Lord, don't let us be smart people seeking after knowledge. Mm -hmm. Don't let us be comfortable consumers allowing someone else to spoon feed us truth. Don't let us be content to sit at the base of the mountain and watch the light show on top. Lord, let us be a generation of Psalm 24, clean hands, pure heart that has not lifted up its soul to an idol, that we would be a generation that would ascend the hill of the Lord. Lord, you've given us the Holy Spirit. You came down off your mountain in Christ. You came down off your mountain in the Holy Spirit because you said, I want to be with my people. This is the new covenant. I will be their God and they will be my people. Lord, you are with us always, but help us to be the people that will go to be with you. Let us not be satisfied by the intellectual knowledge of the omnipresent God that is 
always with us, the God that never leaves and never forsakes. Let us be a generation that pursues. Let us be a generation of mountain climbers mm-hmm. that is, says, I'm not going to stop until I reach the peak. And I don't want to be someone that climbs up part of the way and then creates base camp. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to just go to Everest base camp and see the top of the mountain. I want to go to the top, to the pinnacle, to the peak, to the place where you are. Yes, Lord. Where I am at your feet, yes. where I am seeing your face. And I, I pray, God, that I'm not the only one. I know that I'm not the only one. Because you told Elijah when he felt like he was the only one that you still had thousands more. Mm -hmm. Lord, in our society, sometimes we feel like Elijah alone in our cave. Mm -hmm. But you have thousands more around the face of the earth. Yes. Let that generation rise up. Yes. Yes, Let that generation come to the forefront. Yes. And give them such a heart and a passion for the people. Yes, Lord. That they begin to teach others how to go to the deep places where they've been. Yes. And for those that don't have someone to teach them how to go there, would you encounter them? Would you give them dreams, visions, revelation of Scripture? Yes, Lord. And pull them by your mighty hand. Yes, Lord. And your outstretched arm. And if we've become comfortable and content, then burn down our ziklags and force us to go back to Hebron. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Because I heard the word of the Lord. I heard that sermon. Thank you, Lord. And I haven't forgotten, God. Any area of Ziklag I have where I've become comfortable living in the enemy's camp, burn it down. Yes, Lord. Cause me to come back into the promised land, the place of intimacy and fellowship. Lord, I thank you because not only can you do it, I know your word says you will do it. Yes, Lord. And you're faithful to see it done. Yes, Lord. Because you're the author and the perfecter. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Matthew. That was powerful. Uh, Lord, we just thank you that you are in the process of pouring out your spirit on all flesh. And we just thank you for for this prayer that Matthew has offered. And, and we just say our amen that is that is drawing on your global outpouring, Lord. You're outpouring upon all flesh, according to Joel 2.28. Yes. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. We we want to uh, invite you, if you're if you're listening on the Charisma Podcast Network, we will put some links to things that uh, we've we've referred to in uh, in our discussion today. We'll put those in the uh, show notes that are available on the Charisma Podcast Network for this episode. And we just want to want to bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to come into the fullness of the purpose of your birth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.